It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you, or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You all right? <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Cindy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who is a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him. He is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Lynn and I are so proud of Liz for standing up for the truth doing what's right, honoring her oath to the Constitution, when so many in our party are too scared to do so. Liz is fearless. She never backs down from a fight. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. It's the voice of Dick Cheney. I am Vice Dick President, you can cut that. Vice President Dick Cheney just cut... Uh, an ad for his daughter, Liz, in Wyoming. And you can hear this. There's no one ever that has been more of a threat to our republic than Donald Trump. This from a man who used to be really someone that I admired. He was the vice president under George W. Bush. Uh, the hatred for President Trump is incredible. He spoke at CPAC Dallas Saturday night, knocked it out of the ballpark, reminded millions, I, well, no, not millions heard this, but those that heard that speech probably were reminded why they believe that Donald Trump was a great leader and would be a great leader again if he's given the chance. He won 69% of the ballots cast at CPAC Dallas. And uh, because of that, maybe, just perhaps because of that, something happened last night. Let's, let's CNN tell us the story. Development with the former president himself confirming that the FBI has executed a search warrant on his home in Palm Beach, Florida today. He said in a statement that his beautiful home, Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, of course, which became his primary residence after he left the White House, is, quote, currently under siege, raided and occupied by a large number of FBI agents. He says after working and cooperating with the relevant government agencies, this unannounced raid on my home was not necessary or appropriate. John, he adds, quote, they even broke into my safe. And he compared this to Watergate, reverse Watergate, and maintains it's an effort to stop him from running for president in 2024. Of course, we should note we have now learned that this search warrant had to do with that investigation into how the former president handled potentially classified information, certainly sensitive information, when he left the White House. That is something we knew had already happened, that he had taken about 15 boxes with him to Mar-a-Lago when he left the White House in January of 2021. They delayed returning those boxes back to the National Archives, which wanted them. And we knew this had been 
been under investigation because there had actually been a subpoena issued to the National Archives itself for what was in, included in these documents. They wanted to know what was in them, who boxed them up, who personally took them to Mar-a-Lago. So those have been major questions surrounding this. But this is a dramatic escalation for these FBI agents to go and execute a search warrant at the former president's primary residence. I will note, John, that tonight the Justice Department is not commenting when CNN has reached out for this. The Biden White House was also unaware that this was being conducted and say they found out when the rest of us did, which is when the former president confirmed this. I also want to note Trump was not present at Mar-a-Lago when this happened. He is at Trump Tower in New York. He was not there in Bedminster or excuse me, in Palm Beach, where he often does not spend his summers. Clearly, though, the president, former president, is very unhappy about this and is saying he believes it was politically motivated as we are waiting to learn more about what exactly was behind this. All right, that was CNN, and there have been lots of reports since about 100 FBI agents descended on Mar-a-Lago last night. Without warning, they went inside his ta- his uh, safe. Uh, there's a lot more to say, but I'm going to stop and let my next guest weigh in on this because Victoria Tensing uh, is the founding partner of the law firm DeGeneva and Tensing. You'll recognize DeGeneva because Joe DeGeneva is a former Justice Department official. I'm sure he's going to be out on television and uh, Victoria today talking about this. Uh, Victoria is a former chief counsel for the U.S. Senate Intelligence Committee. She was a former U.S. Justice Department official. She was deputy assistant attorney general under Ronald Reagan, and I'm happy that she's joining us this morning. Victoria, good morning. Boy, it's good to talk to you. It's been a little bit. Been yeah, it has been a little. It has been a little bit, Victoria. And I, I thought of you immediately, you and Joe, because um, because uh, I'm sure that you're you're just as upset as I am about this. What exactly, from your perspective? Well, Sandy, let's start. Sandy, yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, they, people say this. If this can happen to Trump, it can happen to you. Well, it did happen to me. I got a search warrant for my house 15 months ago. You know, I remember so, that we have talked since then. That's right. Yes. Yes, and so, you and Hoba and all, so many Americans, even people that are listening, Victoria, have a lot of people listening who were at J6, who his kids, who they have been arrested. I mean, it is just, uh, it is, uh, it's the Mussolini version of the United States. It's just amazing well, to me. You're not supposed to uh, have a search warrant for a, a lawyer's uh, material, not because lawyers are so special, but because they have client information. They took all my client information. You know, they did the same thing with John Eastman. Um, they did, yes. I mean, they, it's just, it's Rudy, it is sh- Rudy. Rudy Giuliani. Rudy. Yep. And you know what happened, Sandy, is that the, 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 I didn't see one editorial in the Washington Post about it. They didn't care. And as I told one reporter from the Post, or the, I mean, or the New York Times, I could just list them all. Uh, as I said, you know, they, they, they won't write about it because I'm a Trump supporter. The Washington Post hates Trump more than they love the Constitution, and it's very sad. It is very sad. And, Victoria, to make it clear for people that maybe aren't up familiar with you, you were defending and representing a lot of people who were whistleblowers uh, during the— Yeah, whistleblowers in Ukraine. I talked to them about representation. So anybody who has any derogatory information about Biden is subject to being harassed. Yeah. by the Justice Department. But let's, we, I know you want to talk about the, the what happened to Trump, so I, di- I didn't mean to get off track. No, but no, no, but that's context. Know. I really understand. Yeah, that, that's context. No, it's good. And so, now, look, you know, you probably will remember my husband was an FBI agent, and um, I remember in Chicago when they wanted to uh, interrogate Barack Obama, uh, they had to jump through all kinds of hoops. This is before he was president. He was a senator at the time. 
Uh, they had to jump through all kinds of hoops to do anything in regard to Barack Obama. So I'm guessing that the bar uh, to to go and raid a former president's home and a potential uh, candidate for the next upcoming election uh, would be pretty hard, high. Can you kind of describe that for us? Well, see, I haven't seen... There, there are two things in writing about this. We will get the warrant, and it will tell us what's at issue, like the Presidential Records Act. I mean, give me a break. It's, it's like jaywalking. Um, so the warrant will describe that, that there's evidence of the Presidential Records Act violation. But it's the affidavit behind it, and I know that you're aware of this, it's what the agents swear was the reason that they had to go do the search rather than issue a subpoena, which is what they should have done. Yeah, so um, in other I, words, I got they... a little confused with your CNN reporter. The CNN reporter said they issued a subpoena to the, to the archives or to a government entity. Why didn't they issue it to Trump? I mean, if he had the documents, that's, what, that's the way you do it. Anyway, well, the... you won't see that affidavit that gives the reasons behind it, and okay. that's the problem. We won't know this. Well, listen, just to be clear, my understanding is that those 15 boxes that were mentioned in the CNN report, he turned those over months ago. He did resist for a long time, and he turned those over. So I don't know. I read that. Victoria, yeah. Who, who, who knows what? But my question, though, really now, you having been at high level at the Justice Department, can you imagine that a former president would be raided in such a manner, 100 agents uh, going through his safe Going through his personal Garland, effects, I, without the right, had to have approved. But you don't think President Biden would have to be clued in on this as well? They might have done plausible deniability for him, purposely keep him out of it so that he could say he had no idea. Yeah, I would assume that that's what they would have done. All right, let me ask you something. You know, Mark Elias, uh, people, his name will not be familiar. They, people have heard it, but it won't be familiar. Uh, Mark Elias is the attorney behind, oh gosh, how can I say this, all of the election garbage that's been going yes. on for the last several years. He's all about polluting the elections, and he's busy tweeting. So he tweeted last night, um, and I'm sorry, I don't, you know, I'm not an attorney, so, but it's 18 U.S.C. 2071. Uh, that that's the reason that President Trump can now be disqualified <clears throat> from the presidency. We know that's what the J6 hearing is all about. Are you familiar? Am I throwing a number at you out of the blue? Or are you <laughs> yeah, familiar? I, I, don't, I don't know the code by heart, but I'm sitting here trying to get it while I'm talking to you. Well, okay. Uh, I, I, all right. Well, don't worry yeah. about that. I just didn't know if it was like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like for Christians, John 3.16, everyone knows that verse. Well, for attorneys, I thought maybe that particular code would be familiar, so don't worry about that. But he's talking about what can disqualify President Trump from being president. He's just very cocksure uh, that uh, whatever has transpired here will disqualify him. And so um, it's just suspicious well, to the, me. That's, the pre- that's the, talking about mutilating records, whoever having custody of official records. Oh, and shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. If you have covered, that's a that's a wild law. Never never heard of that provision because I've never dealt with this with this law. It's so arcane. Well, let me ask you something. Yeah, yeah. it is arcane. And also, my understanding, President Trump claimed in his statement, he said he's been. Let's see what he says here. He's been cooperating with the Justice uh, Justice Department for several months, and so he's been cooperating with them. And, and as I as I said, and you heard also, 
those 15 boxes were turned over some time ago. So, um, and the obvious thing, which is the obvious thing as they were dealing with you, as they were dealing with um, uh, the others that have been arrested so publicly and raided by the FBI, they could have been subpoenaed. They would have turned themselves in. You could have cooperated, but they they chose to go this uh, this headline making uh, jack boot approach uh, to to humiliation. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's what they did to Peter Navarro when they did a public arrest, handcuffing, and shackling, and threw him in a jail cell for a misdemeanor that isn't even known whether it is a, a misdemeanor because. Um, the, he he could have executive privilege. He could have the, the the privilege asserted, but they didn't even go through that. You're supposed to go through a court to figure that out. They didn't do it. They just indicted him. I'll tell you. I was so disappointed in hearing Dick Cheney say Trump was dangerous. I'll tell you what's dangerous: having a January six committee where it's all Democrats for. I mean, because the two Republicans on there were appointed by Nancy Pelosi. And no, it's it's a kangaroo court. It's a Soviet show trial. You don't have any cross-examination. That, to me, is one of the most dangerous uh, things that have happened in this country in the last year. Victoria, I'm guessing that you, uh, I'm guessing, but we have never discussed this, but you, you were, you know, we were in this together when the, the Iraq war and all of the things happened to President George W. Bush. I, I think you guys were strong defenders. I was too. I was certainly a defender of Dick Cheney as the left made him like the, the, the demon, the devil of the conservative cause. And he did so many fine things, I thought. And I, I just, what do you, you probably know him. What do you think is the answer to why he, why he is, um, uh, what's happened to him that he would be forget about the Constitution and the rights of a president, even in spite of his dislike for that president? I think it's Trump derangement syndrome. It's just how I described mainstream media. They haven't written one thing about what happened to Rudy and me and and uh, Peter Navarro. That um, It's just they hate Trump so much that anything bad that happens to Trump or his supporters is just fine. Well, I believe that you're right about that, and I think that point has to be made. Uh, if people have not, uh, you know, connected the dots by now, President Trump said something Saturday night at uh, CPAC Dallas, which he has said before, but he said it so plaintively, and he said, look, I have a wonderful life. You know, I had a, a, a um, luxurious life. I have, you know, all of these wonderful things. I, I, I didn't have to do this, and I don't have to do this. But I'm protecting you because they're after you. It's not really about me. They are after you. And I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to stand between you and them. And he said, I'm, I'm going to do that. So I think that that's really clear, Victoria. I don't, it's amazing to me. When President Trump spoke Saturday night in Dallas at CPAC, um, it reminded, I think, many people, those that were able to hear that. Um, uh, you can say a lot of things about President Trump's faults. His, uh, you know, his awful tweets, which is, you know, so flummoxed so many people. But what he actually does is pretty courageous, I think. I just want to know well, what your thoughts are. I agree with are. you, Sandy. I agree. The only, the, my biggest criticism about what he does, because I was always for all his decisions, I, I said, you know, I like uh, closed borders and open pipelines. But he really had a bad history, a 
bad history of who he hired. Oh, we yes. Were, we, we were screaming at people. We didn't know him when he first got elected. We didn't meet him until um, the middle of the, um, uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. But um, we were saying to anybody that we knew at in, in the White House, get rid of Comey from day one. Get rid of mm-hmm. Comey from day one. And he's a disaster. And we were told that people inside the White House, mainly uh, Jared, said, oh, no, that's not going to look good. Well, <laughs> yeah. And then he, then he hires Chris Ray. Oh, I know. I, I, I was also saying to people, Chris Ray, no, no, he's awful. Because we knew Chris Ray back when he was in Bush's Justice Department. He was the Assistant Attorney General for Criminal. And we took him evidence of a U.S. attorney in Wilmington, Delaware, who was threatening people to go before the grand jury and make false statements against a potential political opponent of his. Um, And if they didn't, he knew about their sex life and he was going to reveal it, like if they were cheating on their spouse. And it was outrageous. And we had two or three people who came to us and said, yeah, I'm willing to talk to any investigator. Chris, we took it to Chris Ray, and he ignored it. You know, my understanding, too. Well, here's the thing, too. You know, Chris Ray was very, had a real long history of working together with, with James Comey and also with Robert yeah. Mueller. So they were all buddies, yeah. very close buddies. So, yeah, it was a total disaster, which reminds me, you know, in his testimony last week, my understanding is, I was at CPAC, so I didn't actually get to watch this, uh, but he was, he, when he was asked about uh, why the FBI was not protecting uh, the Supreme Court justices in their homes uh, who were being attacked and threatened by, um, by uh, well, opposition, opposition to the, the decision on Roe versus Wade. Mm-hmm. He said that they were busy. They were kind of overextended and weren't able to do that. Yeah, we have to prioritize. He says we did arrest one person. I was so upset after that Senate hearing. I mean, these people, it's, Ted Cruz was great. But, I mean, and usually Marsha Blackburn is, but... Here she's, she said, would you describe the Russia thing as a hoax? And, and uh, he, Chris Ray said, well, I wouldn't use that word. Well, the immediate next question is, well, then tell me, how would you describe it? Yeah, well, <laughs> she I don't, didn't. Well, see, I'm not a fan of Marsha Blackburn, so that doesn't surprise me. I think uh, there's, I, I just think she's too much of an established Republican for my taste, and I could give you reasons. But I think uh, we have to have fighters, which brings me to this. Today's a primary day. We cannot have these milk toast politicians. We cannot have ambitious politicians. We have to have people who are ambitious to save the country, who, like our founding fathers, pledged their lives and fortunes. Nothing less is going to save us, Victoria. Nothing less. Well, you, but you know what the media does to those people? Like, look what they went after Carrie Lake, who I, yes. I think is a fighter. I don't know if you agree with me. But. I do agree with you. Well, they would go after her. Oh, and, the, and all these analyses afterwards, well, that's who the Democrats want to run again because she's tainted. She's, she's, she's an election denier. <laughs> Let me t- I worked on the 2020 election. I know it very well. There was a lot wrong. The problem was there was no remedy. It's the first thing that Joe and Rudy and I, when we met to work on it, said, what is our remedy? When the Georgia Governor Kemp made the unconstitutional, illegal deal with Stacey Abrams to mail out ballots to the voter registration list, contrary to state law, which yeah, Victoria, you're going to vote absentee. 
We oh. are out of time, but I think we understand what you just said. And uh, there was fraud, there was voter, there was all kinds of chicanery in 2022, at 2020, and that's what this is all about. Victoria Tensing, thank you, Victoria. Sandy Rios in the morning. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 27 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. This is Bible League International. Thank God your pastor wasn't attacked on Sunday, but it happened to Pastor Nepo recently while preaching in Burundi, Africa. Twenty radicals dragged him down the aisle to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death because he's been faithfully sharing the gospel with Muslims and nearly 200 have come to Christ in his village where Christians are attacked daily. Anyone who comes to Jesus as their Lord and Savior are easily persecuted. In coastal India, Jay Anth planted a church in a village with no Christians and today more than half of that village follows Christ, but it did not come easy. His house was burned down twice. His wife was assaulted, and many in the church have been threatened with death, but they're not praying for an end to their suffering. They're praying for Bibles to endure and persevere. We're halfway to our goal to send God's Word to 16,000 Bibleist persecuted believers, and we need to wrap up in a week. So at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Will you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stern. Stand by for news and commentary next. Liberty University's K-12 Online Academy is the best of a homeschool, private school, and Bible-based education all rolled into one. With LUOA, you can take charge of your child's learning environment and create a structured yet flexible schedule that works for your family. Our qualified teachers are easily accessible for guidance and support along the way. And with new classes starting every Monday, it's never too late to make the switch to LUOA. To learn more, text LUOA to 88741. That's LUOA to 88741. While you good people were in church Sunday doing the Lord's work, the Senate Democrats were doing the devil's work. Vice President Kamala Harris broke a tie vote to pass a massive tax and spend bill. More than $400 billion in new spending, more than $700 billion in new taxes. But the most disturbing part involves the Internal Revenue Service. The legislation provides money to hire an army of IRS agents, 87,000. Now, that would make the IRS larger than the Pentagon, State Department, FBI, and Border Patrol combined. Republicans say every middle-class family and small business owner is about to have a great big target on their bank accounts. President Obama first weaponized the IRS targeting conservatives and Christians who opposed his policies. They even audited Billy Graham, America's most beloved preacher, Billy Graham. I told you folks, the Democrats, they're doing the devil's work. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. 
So, Scott, the judge had to sign off on this. The FBI believed it to be necessary. Still, what is the view you are hearing tonight from those in the Republican Party? Gosh, I've talked to a few people and have been watching some reaction, John, and most people have reacted this way, and that is, if you don't convict Donald Trump now, you have martyred Donald Trump. You have basically guaranteed him the nomination for the Republican Party in 2024, uh, and you're going to give him a big uh, weapon to go after Joe Biden or, you know, whatever Democrat emerges in 2024 if they don't convict him. I mean, they've raided a guy's house. I mean, one person told me, there's no one going back now. I mean, this is total... You know, uh, there's 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 no reconciliation here when you when you raid somebody's house. And so because of the political implications of that, I'm curious to know about what did the White House know? There was some reporting from Jonathan Martin from The New York Times, not CNN, but New York Times saying senior political figures in the in the Biden White House didn't know they were blindsided by the news on Twitter. I want to know if Joe Biden knew. And frankly, given the implications of this former president, probable candidate, I think the current president ought to say whether he knew about it uh, in advance from the attorney general, because I, I think a lot of Americans, a lot of Republicans are going to want to know the answer to that question tonight. That was Scott Jennings, uh, who worked with the Bush administration. And uh, yeah, he's right about that. This is, uh, I want you to understand, and I'm not sure I've said it yet and made it clear to you how serious this is. This is so serious. We're getting ready to have a primary. Uh, by the way, uh, in Wisconsin, Connecticut, Minnesota, and Vermont, your primary is today, and I'm hoping, hoping to talk about that in just a few minutes. Uh, but we are getting ready for that primary, which means that both houses could be flipped, maybe, if there's a free and fair election. Joe Kent out in Washington State, uh, I've, I've read he's won. I've read that he hasn't won, that they're still counting ballots. There's chicanery going out there right now. Uh, Joe Kent said his own ballot, uh, that he, they have all mail-in ballots, 100%. He mailed his in, certified it, ID, all of that, and they turned, they sent it back to him and said it had been rejected. He had to go back in person uh, to to make his vote count, and right now they're that's what's happening. So we are at a crossroads. I think personally that we still have a chance to win, but only if we fight. Only if you fight and I fight. If they can prevail. Uh, we will never be free again, and you will just rue the day that you did nothing. Our pastors who are silent will rue the day they did nothing. When they see their churches devastated, their people devastated, their budgets not not able to pay you know, utility bills, keep up their facilities, not able to pay salaries, destitution, uh, persecution, when they see that, they will be sorry that they did not do something when they could have done something. And something today is voting, that's for sure. And something today is voting in November. And also, you know, there are a lot of Trump supporters that went out in front of uh, President Trump's place last night making their voices heard. I was going to play a clip of that, but we're running out of time here. But I want to read a little bit of you something to you. This is by my friend Ben Weingarten. Uh, he said, it wasn't enough for the regime to concoct claims of treasonous Russian collusion to spy on his campaign and then use the subsequent investigations to divert and destabilize his administration while covering up its misdeeds. It wasn't enough for the regime to execute two farcical impeachments and sabotage his every act in open insubordination and contempt, effectively forestalling a peaceful transfer of power and depriving Americans of a full four years from which we would have all more richly benefited it wasn't enough for the regime to do everything in its power to fortify the 2020 election against him 
just as it wouldn't be enough for the regime to disqualify him from the 2024 ballot. In defense of democracy, of course, under the fraudulent pretext of an insurrection, the regime wants President Donald Trump arrested, shackled, and left to rot in prison. And I've told you that before. It's true. They will not stop until they see him either in prison and in shackles, or I've even said dead. They'd be happy with that. And then Ben says, it is vengeful, rabid, and out for blood. And uh, he says, Trump's crime was and always has been that he threatened the regime's power and privilege. In so doing, representing tens of millions of Americans who the regime considers an impediment to its total control and who it holds in utter contempt. And that includes Republicans as well as Democrats. That includes the Dick Cheney's, the Liz Cheney's, the president, former President Trump. These people are out of their mind. They have become a regime that are out for blood. Why did they hate him so much? What did he ever do to this country that would warrant this kind of hatred? They didn't like his tweets. They didn't like, they didn't think his character was good enough to be in office, but they are showing what is worse to be sexually promiscuous, to say bad words, to tell stories, or to wish people dead and to take away their rights and to steal and to destroy lives. You tell me, you know, I'll take the tweets and the foul language. I think I will. All right. So here, let me continue with this. Having suffered what it perceived, meaning the establishment, but it perceived to be a near-death experience in the election of Donald Trump, the regime must now show that anyone and everyone from the lowliest of nonviolent January Sixers held in pretrial detention to Trump himself can and will be crushed if they dare to not submit. The raid of the estate of the president by a lawless security apparatus on behalf of its successor represents the crossing of a civilization Rubicon. This is a time for choosing far starker and more precarious than the last time the phrase was used, because we have for so long chosen wrong. Today, the choice is this. You either stand with our totalitarian regime, or you stand with the Americans it seeks to bring to heal. Those who are silent will be complicit in the horrors to which our nation will be Subjected. And that's Benjamin Weingarten. We'll put it. It's a Newsweek column today. FBI's Mar-a-Lago raid presents a time for choosing. We'll put that on our Getter page. Plus, I want to ask Adam to post President Trump's speech uh, Saturday night in uh, at CPAC Dallas. Put it on while you're cleaning, while you're driving, while you're doing something else. It's long. The first 15 minutes he does introductions, so don't worry about that part. But listen to his speech. Now, look, I'm not. Um, look, I'm totally in his camp right now. I am. I don't deny that. But this is not about him. This is about saving our country. This is about saving our country while we still can. And we're grasping at straws right now. I'm going to tell you something else. Uh, the Democrats over the weekend, all the, all the uh, Democrats, 50 of them, I think Kamala Harris uh, cast the, the tie-breaking vote. Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema, who acted as though uh, they, wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't vote for a bill like this that spent so much money and put us more in debt. Uh, and a lot of other things, too, which I'm going to talk about. No, no, no. But now, for some reason, Joe Manchin has flipped like he always does. I don't know. God has given, somebody has given him the gift of lying. Worse than any enemy, outright enemy, is someone who talks like they're a friend and then stabs you in the back. And that's Joe Manchin. So let me tell you... um, Let me read the the words of uh, Ted Cruz here. The Democrats are on the verge of ramming through what is really a terrible bill. It will hammer manufacturing. It will kill 
manufacturing jobs in this country. It will hammer small business. This bill will drive up gas prices. It has billions in new taxes on U.S. oil and gas production. We introduced amendments trying to take those new taxes out, so all the Democrats say they're worried and want lower gas prices. Well, they just voted to raise gas taxes and to raise your prices at the pump. And then that's not all. This is the worst part for you right now, okay? If that, although the prices, higher prices and inflation are not bad enough news, I'll let uh, John Thune from Montana uh, fill you in on this. Clip 11. Mike, I think the takeaway from the passage of this bill is there is an IRS, IRS agent coming to a neighborhood near you. 87,000 new employees at the IRS. Only 4% of them are going to be you know, committed to helping improve taxpayer service. Most of them are going to be harassing middle-income taxpayers. There was a study done by the Joint uh, Tax Committee which showed that up to 90% up to 90% of any revenue the Democrats think they're going to raise it from this so-called um, addition of these IRS tax agents is going to come from people making less than $400,000 a year. So there's going to be a lot of people, uh, middle-income taxpayers in this country, who are going to have to get used to having the IRS looking over their shoulder uh, at every turn. That's, that's what the essence of this is. That's what they signed up for with this bill. 87,000 new IRS agents and $80 billion in new spending, six times the annual IRS budget. That's what this is. Uh, this bill is all about. Yes, and let me just put this in context. 87,000 IRS agents. Uh, someone who's in the military observed this this morning in my just in my private email. A current authorized strength of, of a U.S. Army Infantry Division is about 15,000 personnel. So the Biden administration is fielding a force of additional IRS agents that is larger than the current infantry strength of the United States Army. We're going to have more IRS agents than we have the infantry strength in the U.S. Army. And guess what they're going to be doing? We saw what the IRS did under Clinton. He weaponized it against conservatives, tried to destroy the Tea Party, and really, could you could argue that they did destroy it, not the spirit of it, uh, but they disbanded them because they put them through all of these terrible procedures. They're going to be doing that to all 501c3s. I imagine the American Family Association will be right up there, and all of us that are conservatives, all of you that are conservatives that vote Republican, we are going to have a barrage of investigations, and I guess, I'm guessing, now call me crazy, but I'm guessing they don't have to have the truth, and whatever they say goes, because there's no re repercussion, there's no defense if they say that you haven't paid enough, and they're desperate for money, and they want your money, and they're going to take it. All right, so there we go. That's the bill that the Democrats just passed. I'm sure Joe, Manchin, or Joe Biden will be uh, you know, signing it with a flare. Uh, it is a destructive. We have to stop this because if this thing goes through and the Republicans don't take back the Senate and the House, uh, we will never, I don't think, I'm, there may never even be a 2024 election, certainly not a free and fair one. There we have it. Okay, Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The AFA Resource Center has all your favorite items, everything from books, movies, shirts, and even hats. Introducing AFA's polyester and twill hats, starting at just $18. Whether you're into fashion, a collector, or you're just having a bad hair day, these hats are just what you need. You can buy one for yourself or a friend. Purchase your AFA hat today at resources.afa.net. 
Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial-strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. We live in an era currently where spirituality is in vogue. Christ following is not. Some even claim to love Jesus while simultaneously rebelling against his word and encouraging others to rebel similarly. But Jesus said it himself, If you love me, you will obey me. Whoever does not love me does not obey my words. Make no mistake about it. To love Jesus is to obey him. You cannot love Jesus and disobey him. If you're living in open rebellion against Jesus' word, you're not following Jesus as he's revealed himself in Scripture. You're following a God you've created. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The youth of America face more and more racism, anarchy, and lawlessness. Jesus is the only hope for our youth. They need God's Word. Hello, I'm Tim Wildman, and we are so grateful to be associated with Revival Fires Ministries Truth For Youth Bible Campaign, which provides Bibles free to teenagers who don't know the Lord. The Truth For Youth Bible is the entire New Testament, along with full-color comics that present biblical truth about moral issues, and it's also available in Spanish. Revival Fires International is giving one free to every teenager who promises to give it to a friend at school. A friend at school gave me three Truth For Youth Bibles. I sat down and I read the comics in the front and I realized that I needed to recommit my life to Christ. I gave the other two Bibles to my two best friends and I'm praying and hoping that they'll recommit their lives to Christ too. Truth For Youth Bible Week is going on now. Find out more or get a free Truth For Youth Bible at truthforyouth.com. Truthforyouth.com. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. Congressional Democrats have cynically adopted a deceptively entitled Inflation Reduction Act. It would be more accurate to call it the Help China Win Act. Americans will suffer and the Chinese Communist Party will benefit as independent economists say inflation will be undiminished, notably devastating defense spending. Moreover, the act will advance the CCP's agenda of destroying the United States by moving us towards a police state by upgunning literally and weaponizing the IRS against Americans, reducing our energy security by further assaulting coal and increasing renewable supply chain dependencies on China, and making massive new expenditures that undermine the dollar as the world's reserve currency. Unfortunately, such effects are not isolated events. They are of a piece with the Biden administration's larger wrecking operation that hurts our country to the benefit of our mortal enemy, the Chinese Communist Party. This is Frank Evans. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. Sandy Rios with you. This is uh, Truth for Youth Bible Week here at AFR, and that, of course, is this attempt by Revival Fires 
uh, to get a Bible in the hands of teenagers. And that, of course, it couldn't be more important than it is today. It'll be more important tomorrow. And uh, the way this works is that you get one of your, someone in your house, a, a child that you know, your child, uh, if they will agree to hand this to someone at school, then you can have the Bibles for free. So it's not like you buy, you buy them. You can order them free if you promise that you'll give them to people. So you go to truthforyouth.com or call 800-733-4737. That's 800-733-4737. And that's, become, that's between 830 and 430 Central. So jot that down. Let me make, uh, give you the number again. 800-733-4737. And ask for uh, Bibles. Uh, tell them what you want to do with them. And be prepared. Think about your teenager, your grandchild, and uh, if they would be on board to be an evangelist by handing out these Bibles. All right, well, in Wisconsin is the primary today. Also, Connecticut, Minnesota, Vermont. Uh, in Minnesota, I'll just mention that there is a battle for the— there's a special election for this House seat that was left vacant by the death of Jim Hagedorn. Uh, he was a Republican who died of kidney cancer in February. And so there is a, there is a candidate that's been, uh, um, uh, it's a former farmer. He's not a farmer, not a former. He's a current. He's a current farmer, Republican farmer, Brad Finstead. And he's running against a retired Hormel food CEO who um, is a Democrat. So President Trump has endorsed uh, Re- Republican farmer Brad Finstead in Minnesota. But uh, Wisconsin uh, is, has got some really important races coming up. And Terry Dietrich, who is the chairman of the Waukesha um, Republican Party, who is a good friend, has joined us this morning to talk to us about all things Wisconsin. Terry, good morning, and thanks for joining us. I don't hear him. All right, let me then let's go. We're waiting. We've lost him for a second. So let's go to this Wisconsin report, and it will tell us what's at stake in Wisconsin while we wait for Terry. Here it is. In just 48 hours, polls in Wisconsin will be open. Until then, a sprint barnstorming the state. Former President Donald Trump in Waukesha County Friday night campaigning for Republican candidate for Governor Tim Michaels and campaigning against Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. His former Vice President Mike Pence endorsing and campaigning for Rebecca Clayfish during a separate stop Wednesday. A prominent split in a prominent race receiving national attention this weekend. All this as the Republican National Committee makes official Friday, Milwaukee will host the 2024 Republican National Convention. We're in Chicago with RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel on the RNC and most immediate Wisconsin's primary and the midterms. The 2024 Republican National Convention will be held in the great city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We have a primary on Tuesday, the midterms before 2024. We have a a, a Trump candidate. We have a Pence candidate. Uh, What is the Republican Party like in Wisconsin and and nationwide? Is there a split forming? There's not. This is what happens. You have primaries and people are on different sides, and then everybody's coming together to focus on how do we win in the general. Wisconsin is a a pivotal state in 2022. We have to reelect Ron Johnson. We have a uh, uh, house seats that we have to win. We're going to pick up the Ron Kine seat with Derek Van Orton and Brian Steele. We obviously have to reelect, so we're absolutely invested in Wisconsin. And of course, we want to flip the governor's mansion. I have a hard time saying that right now because the governor has been really great during this process in bringing the RNC. We still want to beat him, but we are thankful for um, his support of us coming to to Milwaukee. 
Oh, that's interesting. All right, so that's a report from Wisconsin Radio. Uh, Terry Dick Drake again now is here with us this morning at Waukesha County Chairman. Uh, Terry, good morning. I had no idea that Wisconsin had just won the uh, Republican convention. That's news to me. Are you excited morning, about that? Sandy. <laughs> good morning. Are you excited well, well, or dreading? Uh, I'm I'm excited for for Wisconsin and the economic benefit. Uh, sure as heck would have liked it to be out in Waukesha where we are, which is red, and down in Milwaukee. But uh, we'll do our best, and uh, I think overall it's going to be a boost for us uh, as Republicans to really showcase the big difference between uh, Waukesha, the rest of the red state of Wisconsin, and Milwaukee, and the issues that we're dealing with every day down there. But it is what it is, and uh, I know we were battling with Nashville, and in the end, we uh, we ended up winning it. And there was a, uh, I'd say, reluctant support uh, by the mayor and his team, and I guess Governor Evers. So it is what yeah. it is, but uh, we'll look forward to it. Yeah. Well, I see. I'm so jaded this morning. I am. I'm. I after that <laughs> I raid, raid at Mar-a-Lago, I think. Well, maybe there's a reason why Tony Evers is helping. Maybe they they have great plans. You know, I just feel oh, tra- who knows? trappy. Yeah. Okay, well, who let's knows? don't get stuck on that. Uh, let's let's talk about the governor's race because that seems to be the one uh, right now that's getting a lot of support. You've got Rebecca Cleefish, who has, you know, uh, worked under Governor Walker. She has his endorsement. And then you have President Trump endorsing a construction company owner named Tim Michaels. I thought there were a lot more candidates earlier on, weren't they? A lot more Republican there- candidates? There, there actually are three now. The third, the third being Tim Rantham, a state assemblyman uh, who is really a big proponent of election reform and uh, decertification. So I expect that he's going to be a three to five percent um, per- performer today. There was also Kevin Nicholson who was in for quite a long time, uh, supported by couple of larger companies and uh, philanthropists uh, here in the state, and he ended up dropping out about a month ago. Uh, okay. It'll be interesting to see where his numbers go. Um, he was a 7 to 10% guy, and so it'll be interesting to see if they uh, if they fold for Clayfish or Michaels. My sense is that he, he was running as an outsider, as a non-establishment candidate, and I, I venture to say that his numbers go over to Mike. As far as I can see right now, this is neck and neck between Clayfish and Michaels. We had the president in on Friday night, as you may know. He came into Waukesha, right here, uh, to our fairgrounds, and had a rally and and, uh, and re-endorsed uh, Tim Michaels uh, and also Derek Van Orden, who's running for that western Wisconsin uh, key congressional seat that's now been vacant after 21 years. We're going to win that one. So it was very... Uh, very uh, timely for the president to come in, and it, uh, it is an absolute horse race to the end here. Now, let me just see, catch what you just said to me. You mean the Republican Party of Waukesha endorsed Tim Michaels against Rebe- uh, rather than Rebecca Cleefish? No, we did not. President Trump did. Oh, oh okay, okay. I'm glad I clarified yeah, so that. So <laughs> President Trump, yeah, President Trump came in for a rally, which was held here in Waukesha. Um, we as a county party are neutral, of course, in primary. Um, but the president came in and re-endorsed. He actually endorsed Tim. I think it was about a month ago, month and a half ago, and then came in for the re-endorsement of of Tim uh, Derek Van Orden, who's running for that western seat, and also another gentleman named Steen, who's a candidate running uh, against Robin Voss, our current speaker up in the assembly. Which uh, that's obviously controversial. So it'll be interesting to see how that race turns out. So yeah, we we've should got a say that very contested ones. Yes, really. We should say that the Assembly Speaker, Robin Voss, uh, 
Well, you know, I know you're walking, you're on eggshells here because you have to, you're representing the party. But let me just say that Robin Voss was not cooperative uh, with the uh, the. Well, that's my that's my way of saying it <clears throat> with uh, the the attempt to sort things out with the Wisconsin's 2020 election. And uh, some would say yep. that the the recount that happened was really not effective. Then that's what she oversaw. Would you agree with that? Well, you know, bottom line is, as President Trump ended up uh, supporting just this last Friday night endorsing uh, his opponent. So that kind of sends the signal, <laughs> at least from President Trump, that he was not satisfied with how, um, you know, Speaker Voss executed the investigations and plans to, you know, do a deep dive on the election um, and also our state statute and where we are with everything. It's certainly still a mess. Um, Speaker Voss hired Michael Gable, Big Gableman, uh, former uh, uh, justice in the Supreme Court to execute that investigation. And I don't really think that went very well. It's pretty confusing as far as the overall uh, results of it. And, you know, Voss is taking a lot of flack for it and obviously has people in the state who are opposed to him. So that's where we are with that one. And we'll see how that turns out. Um, but the, the big race, obviously, right now is governor. And then we have eight lieutenant governor, <laughs> eight lieutenant governors running and two eight attorney general candidates running on the Republican side. So it's a very, very full field. And I think these races are going to be very, very close. Do you think that what happened last night at Mar-a-Lago will have any effect on turnout today? Oh, boy. I, I, you know, I would think that, uh, you know, the more conservative right wing of the, of the party here in the state is I've been getting, my phone's been blowing up with folks um, texting me and emailing me this morning, just how shocked they are at 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 the craziness of this entire circumstance and the surprise that took place, and of course the timing of it being last night, just just outrageous in in so many ways. So I think yes, I think uh, folks maybe, especially in the out state, the northern and western parts of the state, which are heavy Trump areas and more rural, I think those folks are going to be very incensed today. And I would expect that that might just drive up the voter turnout a a percent or two, which is, as far as I see with the polls, as of 20 minutes ago, I got my latest poll and between Clayfish and, and, uh, and Michael's, you know, we're, we're at one point. I mean, it literally is, uh, it's neck and neck right now. So it'll be interesting to see what the turnout is and maybe if this uh, has an effect on it. Of course, uh, people are trying, they always try to make everything about President Trump. And in some ways, I re- recognize that's part of the story, but it's not, it's certainly not the whole story. People are concerned about this country and they are looking for someone who will restore sanity and who will fight. And I think that's probably what's bleeding down into these other races. Uh, with Rebecca Cleefish, President Trump, I think his statement was that he didn't think she was a fighter. Now, I know, again, I know I'm not asking you that question because of your position, but that is his criticism against her. Um, but, of course, he's endorsed a lot of people that I wish he hadn't. So um, so that's not he, he's not the final word on who should be in position in various states. Right. Now, Mike Pence has come in and, and endorsed uh, Rebecca Cleefish. Do you think that'll have a big effect on? Uh, yeah, he, he was in last week, and, uh, you know, we—, we we wanted to give him the same billing we gave Trump as far as uh, exposure and folks knowing that he was in. It was uh, it was interesting because it was really a rather last minute event, and it turned out to be kind of a fundraiser uh, and and you know uh, roundtable uh, here in Waukesha as well. So he was here at Ground Zero 
Um, and so you know, we were happy to have him in the fact that he's former 45th vice president. Uh, but it was not a, a rally or a large event. It was a rather quick event that took place. So I think it had it might have an effect on trying to drive out the, the, the Becky supporters. Um, I'm not sure it changed any minds, but, uh, you know, always when a, when a senior official like that comes in, there's going to be some kind of an effect. So yeah. both of them were in Waukesha County. So obviously they were looking <laughs> for focus there and, 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 you... and our County, I, <laughs> I think our County is literally is the ground zero because if we look at the way the, electorate has voted in the past, the recent past, and where I think it's going to be today. It's an outstate versus an in-state vote. Uh, southeastern Wisconsin, what we call the Wow counties, the three counties that surround uh, uh, Milwaukee, uh, are the largest populations in the state um, as far as counties are concerned. And it's basically the Wow counties against the rest of the state, which probably are going to be heavily you know, red uh, turnout, and and especially when you get to the outstate, it's more uh, uh, conservative, obviously, than some of the more moderate areas in the southeastern corner. So okay. that's where this comes down to, as usual. Yeah, we only have a minute left. So uh, the Ron Johnson race, Senator Ron Johnson was with us a couple of weeks ago talking about this, and, you know, there was a lot of talk about him being in danger. And I don't know if the danger was in the primary or in the general election. What, tell, Explain that to us. Yeah, he, he has you know he has no primary opponent here on the Republican side, so that's good. But I'll tell you what I mean. Ron, in my opinion, is in great shape. He is working extremely hard. The state really likes him. I think independents really like him. Even moderate Democrats like Ron Johnson. I, I, I my personal opinion is he's got one of the best campaign teams and one of the best strategies I've ever seen. Ron Johnson has pulled in the past two election cycles. He's pulled the highest uh, vote total here in, in Waukesha County of any candidate in history in Wisconsin, including governors and presidential. So I think he's in good shape. He just has to keep pushing forward through uh, this primary period. We come together as a as a party and get behind Ron. I think he's going to be just fine. Terry, you are a national treasure, and I bet the people of Wisconsin are very happy to have you in the position that you're in. Uh, just a, a rare jewel as a, in leadership in the Republican Party. That's my opinion about it. But anyway, Terry, uh, thanks and listen. Good luck today. Today's the primary again in Wisconsin. It's the primary in Connecticut, in Minnesota, and Vermont. So if you're listening from those places. Uh, iVoterGuide.com is a great resource for the positions of these candidates. Get out there and vote. Thank you, Terry. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.